What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the kingdom. This is uh, Jor filling in for drums tonight. Uh, usually the brothers behind King Golf, Jordan and Regan Headley, but we're without a drums. We got a dowel, and that's that. Let's head up to uh, where we usually start with Rigo up north. What's up, buddy? Gentlemen, a little different view seeing Dal there. Actually, Jory, you're usually uh, in Dal's spot. Things are kind of uh, all juggled up here. I'm kind of buggered up, but I'm uh, sipping on a lab light. I know Dal would like that. I think it might actually be his from uh, Easton's birthday party, so that's, that's nice. There's a couple left. And, uh, yeah, it's bloody cold outside, so winter's officially here. And I'm back to reporting the weather. It's been a long, it's been a long time without the weather. That was like, uh, for the first 10 episodes, that was maybe even more than that. That was a routine. It was kind of like a nervous twitch. I didn't know what else to say. So I just recapped what the weather was like. Easiest thing to do. Yeah. Now I'm, I think, now I'm in front of Dell and I'm nervous again. So I, I, I went back to my old twitch. I think that's everybody though. In every conversation, if you don't really know what to say, you just default to, uh, she's not bad out there today. Hey, could be worse. Well, oh, she's yeah. just a little breezy out there today. Should be used to it by now, though. We've been been walking this earth for the last 30 years here, so we, sh- we know all about it. Every well, year, you know, you get that winter in Manitoba. She's cold, though. We should come to expect it in Manitoba by now, you know. <laughs> yeah. It treated us last week, you know, middle of November, you know, you got to be ready for it. Yeah, I mean, we were golfing. Uh, we were golfing about this time last year. It's kind of crazy that. Uh, but, anyways, looking forward to Christmas now, I guess, eh? The hell. <laughs> anyways. <laughs> anyways. Yeah, it is what it is. Oh well. Del. What's right. up, baby? Well, back again for some strange reason. I uh, just sit on the sidelines here whenever you guys need a guy. I guess I'll pop in. Probably find yep. somebody interesting. I don't do too much these days. It's kind of work and stuff. So uh, topics might get a little thin. It was uh, also cold here as well this week. <laughs> <laughs> it was freaking hey, cold. Out. What's that, Rigo? We've been uh, we've been pretty lucky though. We've had some pretty yeah, good weather have. here. A little nicer than it's been in the past few <laughs> November. So it's it's good to see. But so we've. Uh, we deserve this now. We could just use yeah. some moisture now. It doesn't matter if it's snowing. Exactly. We could use some moisture. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? The, the snow's actually melting enough where the ground's not uh, freezing, so that it'll actually be able to absorb some of it. So farmers will be happy. It's and that's, yeah, I think farmers. Yeah, it's all that really matters. <laughs> Have the farmers ever been happy? <laughs> What's up with you, Drew? Oh, not much. I was out for a walk today too. Is uh, I went I went for a little bit longer than usual today and. It's a good thing I wore mitts because it was a lot colder than I had ex- expected. So I don't know when that happened, but um, I guess that's what happens when you work from home. You don't leave the house for a day or two and all of a sudden it's minus 20. So it was nice though. I mean, uh, again, it's November, We've, it's uh, Manitoba, so <laughs> should be used to it by now. Anyways, we have, uh, we got a show tonight for the folks. Tonight we're talking about course management. So it's kind of, uh, I guess, I wouldn't say a hot topic, but it's something that we try to talk about on here as much as we can because we're not golf professionals and it's hard to really teach golf um, via podcast when you're getting too technical with swing, swing stuff and swing ideas and stuff like that. So 
course management is much more along the, the lines of the mental side of things. So that's what we got on board tonight. Um, we got about eight or 10 things here that we're going to run through and just kind of give our opinion and our perspective on it. And uh, I guess first, let's do our usual housekeeping. What do you got tonight, Rigo? Uh, Mac Hughes, second place finish. Had a 62 on Sunday. Pretty impressive playing. Uh, it's just too bad he, he couldn't quite catch catch Buddy in first, but it's all good. Second place will do the trick. Come home with a few hundred thousand dollars more than he, he showed up with. It? I said Buddy there because I did totally slip my mind just now. <laughs> Is it a no-name or what? And then you call me out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't know. Doesn't matter. I could look it up, but I'm doing the podcast on my phone. So, Yeah, and then uh, overseas, Morikawa became the first American to win the uh, Tour Championship, the DP World Tour Championship. Um, kind of crazy. For? <laughs> Not going there on here. <laughs> <laughs> Go double, there. Double something, but Del Messi um, must be looking up the tournament. I got your boy here, your buddy, uh, Mr. T-, T Gooch. Yeah, Taylor Gooch. That's right. Oh, in between Gucci. the butt, in between the butt and the nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> First place, baby. That's where the sun don't shine. Let's go. How could I forget? <laughs> yeah, but uh, back to the uh, DP. World Tour Championship. Uh, Morikawa became the first American, as I said. He's um, he's kind of the first guy since Tiger to be doing a lot of the things he's doing right now. And I saw kind of a, a side-by-side of of where they started with the first 60 events of their career. And, man, I, I, it's kind of crazy to see some of his stats. Like, I don't know. He's kind of doing it under the radar, too, in my opinion. Like, he's not yeah, he talked is. about that much I don't it know. was just what do you guys basically think when he won the uh was it the tour championship or the pga one of the two he won the pga the pga when he hit that uh fade around the trees and stuck it to on that par four that was kind of yeah. like his welcome to the world of golf and i think that that's been the peak so far but he's he's been riding right underneath that it seems and definitely not getting the attention that he deserves no and uh, the guy that I spoke of comparing him to just happened to post Take a it. video of himself taking a full golf swing, which kind of shocked the golf world. Uh, I think, I mean, it's pretty much guaranteed that he won that, the PIP, whatever it is for the for the tour players, for the social media. <laughs> like he won it just by posting a video of his golf swing. So thanks three everyone seconds. else for coming out. Thanks everyone else for coming out. It took him three seconds to win that, all the money. So that's good. <laughs> Thank you guys. That's wild, though, hey? Holy that shit. That is wild. Less well, than a year after that accident. It's it's wild how he came back, but it's also wild, like, how much of an impact he has on golf. And everybody talks about how much he moves the needle in golf, but that's the understatement of the century, I think. And I was thinking about – we've had – we haven't had Tiger for the last year and a half now or whatever it may be, year. Yeah, it's under a year since he was in the accident. Yeah. So we kind of know what it's like now, but I was just thinking about what golf's going to be like with when he's gone for sure, like gone, gone. Cause right now he, we've seen him come back so many times that we just come to expect this. And maybe we don't even appreciate it as much as we should, but there'll be a day where 
he's just not coming back anymore. And that'll be uh, a tough one for the game of golf for sure. Yeah. Luckily there is a few guys coming up like Morikawa that obviously they're not going to do the same as he did, but the game's in a better place now where they're going to get more coverage. So it's not going to quite be the same battles it was to build the game like it was for Tiger because it's already kind of built. Can there be anybody coming up that would have that kind of, I don't know, big swinging uh, dick like Tiger has? Like, no, I, I don't think we were, so. We were talking. We're going to do a show in the next week or two about uh, the greatest mysteries in golf. And uh, Bagger Vance? At, and Anthony Kim is actually one of the major ones that we're going to talk about. And uh, I think that he would have been up there with uh, Tiger. He had the same kind of uh, flair, I think you, you would call it, and just something about him that um, resembled Tiger. And he had the skills and, and like I said, the, the same kind of fl- uh, ability to just stop everybody. What You know, like Tiger has that star power, I guess you'd say. And it's too bad that we never got to see Anthony Kim because mm-hmm. – I think he retired when he was like, what, 21 or 22? Like he was young, young. Yeah, he got that injury and they said, either we'll give you, I think it's 3.5 million bucks every yeah, year. The rest save it, of save it, save life. it, save it. We got that coming up. So that's just a sneak peek of the next, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to do a, couple, a show on the great mysteries of golf. So Anthony Kim will be talked about and Colin Morikawa was kind of along the same lines of that but i think that he's a lot more he's a tame version of ak yeah i think that the, like uh certain guys just have and we, we've talked about it on here numerous times like uh they like louis doesn't have that to make that putt down the stretch the clutch like morikawa's done it like he did at the british open he did it at this tournament on the weekend he made like a 25 footer for birdie on 17 like he just has that like the flair, like you said, just to make those in the big moments, make the putts. And Rom has the same thing. Yeah, I would say they're probably the two only two guys right now that really have that. But Is this the first Germany one that had fans back? No, because he won. Uh, what the hell did he win? Oh shit! Because that's what they were saying. They're like, oh, not having the pressure of the fans there is really making it easier for these newer yeah. young guys to win because they don't have that nervous factor of 20 I think there was fans at the open was there there? I think there was too because that was one of the things that they were talking about and then he's just did it anyways I think yeah I don't know for sure yeah anyways and uh last last housekeeping for me it's not golf related at all but I got to give a shout out because Dal's on here as well the the local junior A team Dolphin Kings six games in a row, probably in the top five in Canada. And now they just knocked off the the second, third place team in the, or second and third place team in the league back-to-back days of the showcase. So they are sitting at 18 and four. And obviously our Jesus. Uncle Doug is the coach and they are buzzing along right now. Any local guys? Bzz. Yes, there is uh Gears Rechka and then uh, oh. Braden Doobie from Roblin that, uh, Bantam stand out there. Okay. And there's Laquette, isn't there? Yeah, Hayden Laquette as well. Sorry. They were mm-hmm. uh, bo- they were born after you played, Dell. <laughs> <laughs> probably getting close now, eh? They'd probably be like 2004s or something. 
Yeah, there were well that uh, Doobie's at 2005. Yeah, so yeah, she's getting close. I was there uh, 08 to 10, and then I got ditched. But yeah, she's getting close. Pretty soon you're gonna be one there. I can Pretty take you soon for a tour if, and show you all the banners I raised in that ring. Pretty soon, if uh, one has a big handle or mustache, people will be wondering. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. There's been a few of those questions where I spent some time. <laughs> and that's that's it for housekeeping for me tonight. But okay, I just have one quick one, also not golf related, but a couple weeks ago we were talking about uh, giraffes. How many countries have giraffes in them? Trump said only Africa. And I don't think that he's wrong. It says 21 countries, but it looks like they're all from Saharan Africa to Niger to Southern Africa. Is Niger in Africa? I'm guessing so. Yeah. Yeah. Africa is a continent though, right? So all those countries are in Africa. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm surprised one hasn't swam to a different uh, continent, but. Yeah, no kidding. Or got out of it. Just like walk. There's a couple in autumn. There's a couple in Madagascar. They were on the island, weren't they? Yeah. That uh, animated show. I'm pretty sure there's a giraffe in there. I think I saw one in Calgary too. No. At the zoo. (laughs) Did you guys see Tiger King has more episodes now? Yes. Yeah. I never finished the first season. Carol. Dell. Sure. Did you ever go to that zoo outside of Swan River? No. I did personally, but it was like fit 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. And I can't remember where it is. It was like right outside of Benito. And there was like monkeys there and everything. You yeah, it was like a real believe. zoo, but it was just like this guy's farm. Yes. Yeah. You never it, been there? Benito? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't. I can't remember being there. I'm sure I would. Do some, I, but do some research. I'm sure Google has it. Uh, I don't know if probably, probably the back pages has it. <laughs> we were talking about the back pages Peace last time Dow was on here. Wasn't it last time Dow? No. No, I was on here. Oh, that was last week then. When we were talking about the back pages. Yeah. Okay, well, that's that. If anybody is listening from Benito or Swan, I'm sure you know. I'm sure even somebody from Dauphin would know. So let us know because I, I'm guessing they don't have a website. It seemed like a real uh, low key operation there. Like it seemed it, like there a, really, a huge, like that? a real Tiger King type of yeah. Uh, establishment. Yeah, like they're not reporting much for sure. They're not on. They're not online. So hit us up. I'd love to go there again someday. There's also one uh, we went there with BDO. And that was like cola. It was like on the Saskatchewan border and out in that area. And that one was legit too. A couple zebras. That were those those sheep? Yeah, those they're goats. Yeah, this was two, three years ago now. Why don't we swing it on the way to Kenosi? Yeah, we probably could. It's a cool zoo, anyways. We'll have to get a giraffe there. But so drums turned out to be right. Uh giraffes are only in Africa. It's a pretty big place, though, Africa. I don't know if we give drums too much credit. And uh, as as drums has been doing, I'll uh, if we if things go fuzzy tonight, I'll remove my hat and uh, let you guys know. So we had some laughs last time, man. We might have a full show of drums outtakes, 
um, because he gets so mad when things start freeze up, but we can't even see him. Yeah, all of a sudden he's he's out of the screen picking up his hat. (laughs) (laughs) But then when I when I have to edit it, like the video version of it, I can see like drums' video is like perfect the whole time, and he's just losing his mind. Like it's so funny. Um, okay, well, let's get to the course management here. Um, where do you want to start, Rigo? Do you want to just run through them and we can chime in? Yeah, I'll just do that. Okay, well, fire up here. So the first one I'm going to start with, and it's I'm a pretty big hypocrite because anybody that's ever golfed with me ever knows that I chip from just about anywhere mm-hmm on the fringe to basically I never put from off the screen, but a way to save strokes. And it, it's a known fact. If, if you're trying to make the shot from the fringe chip, but if you just want to get it guaranteed to putt, putt. And I, we, you see it so many times that somebody thinks that they're going to chip it from just off the fringe and they, they skull it and it goes 20 feet past or they hit it five feet. And then they got to make a 20 footer instead of just hitting a putt. And they always say another cliche thing that they say is your worst putts as good as your best chip and it's pretty accurate um that would be the first course management thing where you could shave a few strokes around the greens uh i know easton she has literally only ever golfed with me pretty much so she has been chipping from just on the fringe all the time and i i finally convinced her this summer to start putting from the fringe and it saved her probably five shots per round just like that so that's number one for me i started doing uh combo the the bump with like a six iron or seven iron right so you do like just do the putting stroke with the iron to get her kind of out of the thick shit yep i don't know it's been it's been working pretty good most of the time but right it probably same as that Dell. it probably takes the really bad ones out of play too like yeah, the blades so. or the chunks. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you spent a couple hours at the putting green sometime, you could dial it in a little bit better, but it still would make a huge difference in compared to trying to hit a sand wedge or like a 56, like a lot of guys do. But uh, I think too, Rigo, you said that you don't want it to be rolling by 20 feet. I think that with the chip, even if like guys are decent chipping, it still could roll to, you know, even five or six feet. And that's a big difference compared to a one or two footer like you'd have with a putt or a gimme, right? There's mm-hmm. there's just a lot more that can go wrong with that shot. Definitely. So, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> um, so what? I guess I should have said this before we got going here, but course management i guess it it sounds like a it sounds like a boring thing and like almost like a university class or something but the main idea of it is is like you want you want to save strokes in any way that you can without changing your swing on the course so this is kind of a way just a, a strategy of sorts i guess to to make the right decisions and have the right thoughts going through your head and stuff like that so you don't have to do a damn thing to your swing you can just change a few things and a few small tweaks can actually, depending on what your handicap is, shave, you know, five or six strokes off your score without changing a thing in your game. So um, the, the second one here is uh, have a go. No, sorry. This one is uphill putts. 
So at any time possible, leave yourself an uphill putt. And this could come in many different forms. One, one that comes to mind initially for me and one that I have had issues with in the past is a green like 16 at Clear Lake where it runs away from you and you really want to get cute with it, but you end up coming up short and then your, your second shot's again going to run by anyways, probably 10 or 15 feet. So you're just bringing into play an extra stroke that's totally unnecessary. So in a situation like that, just get it to the hole and let it run out and try to make the putt. You know, you're looking at a four maybe or a five at worst. Whereas if you're trying to get cute with it and you're, and you're going to leave it short, you're bringing another stroke into play automatically. So um, it's, I think that that's something that even really good players can to try to change. Um, and maybe even more so that's who it might affect more because they think that they have the skill level to try and do that, something like that. So is wherever you can try to stay below the hole. And also for me specifically, I prefer to hit my putts from uh, left to right breakers. So if you really want to get technical or if you think that you're in that kind of zone, put yourself on that side of the hole um, where you're putting that way. And it's, it's, not, it's hard to do from, say, the fairway or from 100 yards. But if you're chipping from a couple yards off the green, you can say, you know, just keep this one left because you, know you know what you're going to leave yourself with, right? So that's kind of yeah. the idea there. Yeah, that's why we always battle so much uh, when we're in scrambles together and we have to decide which putt to use because I hate left to right putts. But true, <laughs> usually true. battle quite a bit like that. But yeah, like you said, um, if it's if it's a putt that you probably know that you're not going to make or like a chip that's got a lot of break into it, like just it's it's tough to see from where you are. Say you're like 25 feet away, it's tough to see what it's like around the hole. So just as other guys are putting, just walk up by the hole and just see where the flattest spot is. And you want to try to leave yourself in that spot, right? It's just. Right. Exactly. That's a really it seems like point, such actually. an easy thing, but there's, there's so many times that you just don't do it. And then all of a sudden you hit it. You think you only hit it a foot past the hole and there's a whole nother hill there that it goes down. And then you got six feet and a six footer is a lot different than a three footer on the flat spot. Even if you have to hit it on the low side, just so you end up in that flat spot and it's an easy putt. I, I don't know. It's just, it's a thing that not many people do myself included that, like you said, it could totally. save a few shots in it. Those few shots per round, man. Holy shit. They add up like. Dell, is that something know. that, uh, that you would ever consider it your, cause I guess for anybody who's listening to this, who's never seen or heard from Dell before, um, Dell was, Dell is the best for sure. But, uh, you weren't a great golfer a couple of years ago. Um, no, but that was mostly because you only played in scrambles and, and fun tournaments. Right. So you didn't get out a whole, a whole bunch, maybe two or three or four times a year. Whereas lately you've been playing maybe 20 rounds a year. Yeah, definitely. More maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably, probably try to get out twice a month through summer and spring and stuff. So I don't know what that adds up to. And then a couple of tournaments, but yeah, it's, for me, I don't think I'm quite there yet to be worried about what part of the green I'm going to hit more yeah, as right. I hit the green myself. So uh, I don't really think that one's going to affect the 20 plus handicap man that I am myself. You've always yeah. been a deadly putter, though. True. 
I have made some weirdly good putts. <laughs> a lot of mini golf, probably. Probably helped. <laughs> a lot of mini golf. <laughs> you you buried us with your putts that last round we played with you. Oh, did you? It was not, a good day. That was tough to be a part Oh, of. when we were in Gilbert, not that one in Deer Ridge. Right. Just when we slaughtered these guys in Gilbert. Snuck an extra one in there, Red. Where were you? Didn't get the invite till that morning, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a song for another time. Next one here, uh, I've, I've touched on it. I've touched on it before. Um, if there's ever a spot where you're kind of in between clubs and you're not sure exactly which one to take, a good example of it for locals around here would be number four at Gilbert. Um, if the pin's at the back and you're in between clubs, always 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 take the shorter club i've take i've taken the longer club way too many times and then you hit it good and you and you land on the back edge and and it kicks over and then you're absolutely dead like completely dead so always take the club that eliminates the most trouble so if there's a hazard behind the green take one less if there's a hazard in front of the green take one more and and just make smart choices with that based on where the hazards and the trouble is around the greens I actually heard something kind of opposite of that. Was they're saying to uh, take the longer stick because it's easier to hit a club like 90% or 85% than to have to smash the shorter one 100%. Right. And I I guess like when I say that, I'm not going for the flag if I'm taking the shorter one. I'm just aiming for the front of the green or halfway into the green. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. So basically, I'm not always chasing flags at the same time as well. So that's when you get into shit. What, what would you say, Rigo, on your on a normal on a normal shot for you? What do you think that you're swinging? I'm just thinking, like, is that maybe already inherently built into like how you play that you'd play like a eighty to ninety, and that's kind of what you judge your yardages on already? I would say, yeah. Like you're never really swinging a hundred percent, unless you're trying to muscle something into a par five or something but even so like i think that most people would know that the harder you swing usually the shittier the result is for the most part unless you unless you get a one in ten nuke or you're professional but i think even professionals they don't go anywhere near 100 percent for the most part like it's more controlled right right yeah so yeah i would say so i mean bryson's hitting 400 yards at He's at yeah, 110%. <laughs> Speaking of Bryson, he's got a TikTok account now, and he's uh, he's pretty entertaining on there. What was that rig he was demoing on, like his follow-through? Did you see that machine he had? No, I didn't. What was he doing? It was like a massive robot, and he was working on like the bottom part of his swing to the follow-through, but there was a bunch of resistance on it, and oh. he was leaning on this thing. Ricky? No. Bryson. Oh, oh, I heard Ricky. No. No, I didn't see that, Dell. He can't be coming off the plane to a match in Vegas drinking a water bottle either. No. <laughs> like, mixing a beer. You're it playing 12 be... holes. Like, you can get through 12 holes hungover. Yeah. Can't play. Where... You can't play. Yeah, true. Where, where are they true? playing? I don't know, but why are they playing 12 holes? Like that's that's wild, man. I I don't know. 
I don't know, a young uh, Thomas working team would say that that's the perfect amount of golf holes. And putters start getting smashed up. <laughs> <laughs> He's been Thomas saying Warkentine. that for years, that 12, yeah. 13 holes is the magic number. Yeah. He always tags along, though, for the 12 holes that we play after the 18 holes, so he never seems well, to yeah. mind. Where are you going to go? He must say 30 holes is his favorite. <laughs> okay, next one, hey? This one is kind of like a check-in, and I know that we have talked about this in uh, maybe a junk drawer one time, but this is a uh, a check-in with yourself just to see kind of how things are going. And it, it's very hard. It's very easy to just show up at the course kind of in a rush. And then, you know, 12 holes later, you realize that you're golfing and you've just kind of been on almost autopilot, especially if it's a course that you play all the time or, or even a new course. I mean, um, it's so easy to just to get so entrenched in the game and the guys and the environment there that you kind of forget that you're golfing. So this is a check-in, I guess, after a couple holes, just, just ask yourself, like make it a habit to ask yourself, like how were, how were the greens so far? How were my first three putts? Uh, were they short? Were they long? Um, are they breaking more than I thought that they were or less? And then make an adjustment. You, I mean, I wouldn't recommend adjusting your swing during the round, but you can adjust for the speed of the greens and you have to almost. And I know that I've played rounds before where, it was, it's not till hole 15 where I realized that I've been five feet short on every pot or, or vice versa. And how are the greens biting like approaches? True. Are they, are they take, true. are they just bouncing and rolling? If so, take a club less or play it five to 10 yards less and just chase it up. I've played yep. so many rounds like that when it's just, I play Gilbert and you can fly it to the hole on every shot. And then you go play somewhere else. Like I remember how much I used to battle Sweet like City? Sweet City and Shiloh. Like it's just yeah, a Sweet totally City's different a lot better, game. Though. Yeah, definitely. But it's still it's not as soft. So you have to you, you can't play your normal yardage just that you play your own course. Yeah. And like that's where you check in and just say, okay, what's it going to take to to stop it on these greens, or do I have to chase it up? What's it going to be? And like like you said, you're you're with the guys and you're not really thinking. You're just kind of pissed off at your score, but you're not realizing why. Yeah. You're scoring like that until you actually check in and say, okay, well, what's actually going on here? But And it's, it was kind of like the opposite for me, actually, <clears throat> playing Wheat City and then playing Gilbert because I would always – you'd have to basically land short at Wheat City and kind of roll it up because there's, there's a lot more rollout to Wheat City. And then you play Gilbert. And if I was already short, I'm going to be a lot shorter because there's a ton of zip on those greens. So it was just a nightmare trying to – I'd play the Kings tournament and a couple other rounds per year and that's it. And I would never even consider taking another club or two. And the greens are like basically twice the size. So it's just different. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, the next one, oh, sorry, here we go. One, one last thing on that. I, I was trying to think of a way that you could like remember to do it because that's kind of the hard part here is remembering to do this stuff. So Maybe like on a whole three or four of every round, just just do that. And I don't know what this the marker would it be for, but you know how when you go to a restaurant and the waiter you you get your food and the waiter comes by and she says, uh, "How are the first couple bites?" 
So ask yourself this. How were the first couple putts? Trademark. I was gonna say if we got some of those if we got some of those markers made up again, we could put check in. I know. I know. But in the meantime, how were the first couple putts? And and say it like kind of a a waitress would say too, like, you know, that kind of tone and enthusiasm. I think you get you get the missus to text you half <laughs> golf game. And you look at your phone and she says, how are the first couple putts? Actually, you know what? Like, it's funny that you, you say get her to text you because like 95% of the time you'll have your phone on you on the golf course. I know you're not always checking it like you are at other times, but you could actually know when your tee time is and set a reminder in your phone for like half an hour after check in or lots of those guys uh like i got what the hell is it called top shot or something just like the golf app where you track everything and punch your scores in just get after you hit the first hole and then it just blanks across your phone yeah figure it out fuck now we're talking yeah exactly just figure it out fuck there's a everything everybody's different and there's something that'll work for everybody and for nobody so Figure out. I like that idea of setting a reminder. Don't put your volume on though, because if you're connected to the Bluetooth, it'll start making that noise. So keep an eye out for then that. Everybody gets to know. Yeah, it's like it's birth just, control for guys. How are the first couple si- putts? Siri comes on. How are the first couple putts, Reagan? <laughs> hey, what do you can't, got? Here you go. Can't even say my name. With me every day, can't say my name. Oh, um, silly. The next one uh, is, uh, and I've talked about this before too in the strokes here, just commit to every shot. Like whatever you decide, uh, oh, fuck. what's wrong with you? Whispering too. Oh, sorry. I uh, was crossing things off that I talked about and I crossed <laughs> off one that I had not talked about yet. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Rigo. No, that's okay. Uh, commit to every shot. So um, a lot of the times uh, you go up to a tee shot with two clubs and you still, you pull the club that you think you want and then you're kind of going back and forth. Whatever you decide, commit to that shot because whatever you decide to do, if you're indecisive, you're, you're absolutely screwed. That's when shit happens. That's when you block one 100 yards left or hook one. There's just too much indecision. Just commit to that same swing and if you drill it over the green, so be it. There's a less chance of that happening than than being indecisive and, and hitting sprays or hooks. So just commit to the shot, hit a full shot. And at the end of the day, if you hit it good, you can at least say you hit a good golf shot, just bad result. But it's it's kind of hard to explain, but you just have to be committed to every shot and because bad swings happen, you're not committed, man. Holy shit. I mean, number 14 at Gilbert, jumps out to me every time I think of that. You stand up on that tee box and you never know what to hit. And I've seen some of the ugliest golf shots I've ever seen off that tee box. These guys are so uncommitted to shots. It's unreal. It's crazy because you're you're basically, if you're not committed, your brain's basically saying two or three different things at one time. And your body doesn't know how to react to that or what to do. So it just goes into a weird mode and, and shanks one, or it does, you know, like. Yeah. And instead of trying to hit the golf shot, you're trying not to hit the bad ones, 
and you're just like, oh, it's ugly. <laughs> I've had some really bad shots on that hole. But yeah, my arch nemesis is that hole. What do you think of that dally? Is that something that uh, you think about, or do you just not think at all, or what's your what's your <laughs> go go to before you hit a shot? Um, I think personally, anytime I've ever switched clubs after I've been standing over a ball, I've chunked it every single time. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm on that same page of just hit it already. Uh, recently, I've completely lost what club to hit at what yard. I've been that last round. <laughs> Tear ridge. I was just blasting everything over the green from didn't matter where I was, didn't matter what club I had, I couldn't figure it out. So I guess I was committing to it, but I mess probably a whole different thing is just figuring out your yardages. Well, if you don't know your yardages, how would you commit to a shot, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I committed to it and I just blasted it over. And you know, like uh, obviously the caddies are there for reading greens and uh telling you the yardages and stuff, but it's also very reassuring when you're thinking a club and you got somebody else who knows all your yardages thinks the exact same club and then you're both committed to it. It helps a lot. And that's, Uh, you hear that all the time when, when the caddies are mic'd up on the tour, just commit to this club. That's the right club. Just commit to it. And then they do. And I mean, obviously they're on the, on the pro tour, so it's working, but for us though, I mean, we obviously don't have caddies, but as you were saying that, I was like, some of the best golf that I've played or wherever it may be is when the guy I'm playing with is saying that. And I mean, they obviously have to know your, your clubs well enough, but in the, for the most part, that's your men's night partner. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you want to be a good men's night partner, learn to learn what clubs they hit compared to you. Cause you, you see it every par three, basically what club they have versus what you have. So you know where they are, whether they're one ahead of you or the same or, one behind you and it's it's good if, if you can say what club you got eight iron here or whatever and uh it just reassures them that you know you're on the same page as them i tell dad what club did a lot of the time man <laughs> a lot but it's good because he just the yeah it helps yeah t-shirt yeah t-shirt a lot danielle danielle asked me what club she should hit and i don't have a sniff i just tell her what it is Look her. Try to find you feel like you're you're sitting there like uh, Chubb sitting on the sitting on the bench in Happy Gilmore giving the lessons. He's reading the paper. Yeah. Yep. 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 Looks good. Looks good. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Seven. Uh, she yep, goes. Yep. Seven. She goes. Hours. What should I hit here? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. One seventy five is there, and the one fifty is just up there. So you're probably like a buck sixty five. Hit whatever you hit there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, always hybrid. Or yeah. eight iron. That's always a good. Hybrid time. baby. That's Teej. Hybrid baby. Oh. <laughs> um okay, what uh where are we here? Read the one you scribbled out. Oh yeah, that's probably why. <laughs> no, this is this is one that's actually quite applicable to me and Dell, I think, specifically. We, we curve the ball a little bit more than Rigo. And uh, so this one is never never pick an aiming spot or a target where if you hit a straight shot, it ends up in trouble. And so for me, an example of this is hole one on Wheat City. There's, there's the river on the right. And because I 
fade the ball, I kind of have to aim almost on the water, on the, the edge of the water, like the riverbank. And I mean, if I end up hitting it straight, which is possible, it's first tee, you, you have nerves and your body doesn't always agree with what you want to do. And I've hit so many shots just dead straight into the river. Perfect, perfect shots, but just like straight. And that's exactly where I was aimed, but that was my fault because I just figured that I always hit fade. So it should, it should do that. But if I, you know, if, if I would have just aimed 10 yards to the left instead, I would have kicked off the hill and onto the fairway. In worst case, I would have been 10 yards further to the left if I did fade it. So that's something that I think uh, maybe Dal can comment on here, who used to have a huge slice, but has dialed her down a bit. Um, but Dal, you don't have many straight shots, do you? No, uh, especially on the tee box. I think the, yeah. the driver is the worst. Um, so I'm aiming as far left as I can get to a tree <laughs> or anywhere and then hopefully end up the middle to the right side of the fairway if not the right thick stuff um it, it has changed quite a bit though yeah like hey, you don't yeah, slice I, it nearly as much as you used to like not even close no but it's still there's a lot of travel on that thing definitely and so maybe that's something that you'll have to adjust to when you do start straightening it out even more because you've taken about 30 yards off your slice and added about 60 to your drives and, and distance. So I think as you progress in golf, it'll just kind of keep going in that direction. So that's something that uh, keep in mind, I guess, if you either draw the ball or um, fade it. And uh, because you, everybody's capable of hitting straight shots. I mean, that's kind of... Um, what you want to do in golf for the most part. So it's easy to do. And if, and if you're aiming in a spot where that's going to put you out of bounds or into a river, maybe just adjust it a bit. Definitely. Or just play the swing that you have too. Yeah. You always say to me is, well, don't worry about trying to change it. Slice, you know where it's going. It's just true. Keep changing your feet and your hands and your, arm and your hip and everything and then you don't know what's going to happen next that's very true especially especially when you're on the golf course it's one thing to do that at the range where you want to try a few different things but if you know what you hit don't try to make a change on the golf course and i don't think that that's something that we are talking about on here but that's a really good point dallas don't make too many adjustments mid-round it's never worked for me it might work for some but outside of the putting green and stuff like that, don't try to make alterations to your swing when you're playing, especially a tournament around or something. Yeah. Um, we got my last one here. Uh, it's so important. Uh, like can't even stress how important it is to have that, to have a go-to club. So if there's a hole that scares the hell out of you, if it's, super tight if it's a dog leg if you got to hit it to a spot you have to have that club that you can trust mine i found out this summer is probably a driver but if if the if the hole is too short for that uh four iron would be the play but you have to have that one club because if you're going up to a tight shot if you have that one club where you just know exactly how you're going to hit it it's so much easier than saying well Okay, well, I should probably hit a four iron, but that'll give me the 150. But if I hit a 
if I hit a hybrid, which I don't really trust, but if I catch it good, I'll be 110 out. Okay, well, you're laying up for a reason. Hit the forearm that you trust. Just put a good swing on it and hit it there. And you like it's it's crazy. You think that extra 30 yards is going to do so much for your game, but you just have to find that club. And and honestly, if you play the same shot enough times, you get that that club. And you you also get clubs where, like for for example, this summer my hybrid went for an absolute shit. In the past, it was really good. So I got to a couple of those spots and I was like, oh, I'd like to hit that hybrid. But I just took my medicine and I didn't hit it anymore because I knew there was too many bad swing thoughts in my head with that, that I just went back to the four iron. Yeah, I lost 20, 30 yards, but it was pretty much straight every time. And you just have to have that go-to club in those pressure tight spots, you know? So what do you do when a club betrays you like that? Like Just you give up faith. on it. Go to the range. Yeah. With Happen. it. With it. Even Don't so, though, it's hard Don't to... Don't hit it on the course until you go to the range. Even even after going to the range, though, it can be hard to translate that to the course. For me, anyways. I have a hard time with that. It's almost like if, I, if I've if i hit too many bad shots with one club, it's gone. So I've kind of... Uh, I've kind of... In the last year, um, I'd go out with Easton and... Say that there's a hole where you can blast driver over the corner, or you can lay up to the to the spot where you hit a four iron out there. I've actually been taking advantage of those rounds where it's just a nothing round to hit that four iron and get good swing thoughts and get good visuals on the course. Because yeah. any jackass can step up there. If I'm golfing with Easton, I can step up and hit my driver over the corner to a hundred yards. Like there's no pressure. There's nothing on the line. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. But you actually have to develop good swing thoughts with that club that you're laying up with on the course. Like you can work on the shot that you want to hit on the range, but use those times like that when you're out there just dicking around, not dicking around, but actually practice shots like that. Don't just step up and swing your driver as hard as you can because there's no pressure about anything. Like use those times to to aim for targets with that club. And then you, like this summer, I hit that forearm and it was just like, I knew that if I stepped up on a tee box with it, it was going to be down the middle because I was just, that's how you get with certain clubs, right? Whereas that hybrid, I was like, I probably topped it like 20 times trying to hit shots on the course, which is crazy. But it's just, hey, that's golf's all mental. And if you can just find that go to club in those pressure situations, it helps so much. Remember that one I had, the Jigger? <laughs> the Jigger. <laughs> what happened to that? Is that gone? I think it's still around, but you can only have 14 clubs in your bag, I heard, so she doesn't make her anymore. Right, right. So I don't know what it was, like a two-iron maybe? Yeah, it was a sweet club. Just swing out of your shoes with that bad boy. <laughs> it's gone, or where is it? Oh, it's not gone. It's just out of the bag. Okay. Um, so the last one for me is kind of, uh, I would say, for the more advanced golfers and maybe more um i don't know people who want to take their game to the next level i guess who are you know maybe a 10 and want to get to a five or something along those lines it will help everybody i just don't see the the higher handicap people putting this much i guess thought or effort into it and that's create a plan so it sounds silly and most people listening to this show probably won't do that but have some sort of plan, visualize, you know, the course. And one thing that I saw online and, and we, um, 
is use Google Earth. And I've never tried this myself. So like it's kind of shitty giving advice that I've never done myself. I could see how it works though, because you see the, the course looks a lot different from above or from the green looking backwards as it does from the T box. Cause a lot of courses are designed with the intention of screwing with your mind and making things appear differently, differently than they actually are. So you hit shots and you, your brain has these uh, pictures in it that aren't necessarily accurate. So you know, if you actually look into a hole and you see that there's actually a lot of room past this tree, you can't see it because there's a tree there, but that's, there's something there. And when, once you know that there's a lot of room there, you free yourself up and it kind of changes the whole game. And I think that a lot of guys, self-included, have never done that before. Um, but it is something that I would like to, that I'm going to try next year just to see what happens and see if it makes much of a difference. And the alternative to that is walking the course backwards and looking at it from that way but the the poor and lazy man's version of that is just looking at google earth that was uh haggy brody hagars came with us to buffalo point he always does that he says every time he goes somewhere he's always looking at it on uh i don't know if it's google earth or not or just looking at the course layout really yeah he said he always does it uh interesting i mean that's so go ahead rigo no, it's nothing really, but just uh, number 13 at Gilbert. Like, I've played that course so many times, like, over and over and over. And you think you're standing on that tee box, and because there's that tree line on the right, right next to the tee box, you think that's where it is the whole way down. There's so much room to the right on that hole as long as you make it past that 150 yards. Like, it's unreal. I've hit so many – I've hit provisionals because I'm like, there's no way that's okay, and I get up there and it's like – 50 yards, okay. And, Rigo, that's actually the side you want to be on to hit an approach into that green, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So, something that's... that I definitely want to try. And, you know, for myself personally, if I'm going to, like, a, a high-end course or whatever it may be, I'll have a look at the website and see the holes and stuff like that. But, I don't uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I'm going to – wherever it may be poplar ridge or whatever I, th- I i played there before so i think that i know the course enough to get through a round but how much would it change if you just took half an hour of your day and looked at the holes and maybe did some tried something different instead of just going through the motions mm-hmm. why not eh why not? Mm-hmm. so that's that that's the the end of the official ones i do have a bonus one here though and uh, this is probably geared more towards Rigo, I guess, probably than me and Dal. And I want to hear what? his thoughts on it. And that's uh, st- staying hot and how to stay hot. So everybody's had rounds where they, they started off nice and with a couple birdies or, uh, you know, they're eight under, not eight under, even through eight holes or something like that. And uh, it's very easy for bad thoughts to creep into your mind. Not necessarily bad thoughts, but like, you're trying to almost get back to, you're putting a, a ceiling on yourself and you know, you're like, Oh, I'm even par. I shouldn't hit the shot. Even though there's a damn good reason that you're even par, you're playing well that day. So instead of talking yourself out of taking the safe shot or taking a shot and then you screw that up and then you have, you're rattled at yourself and that's where the wheels come off. Right. 
So is there, is there any way to stay hot or to continue that without talking yourself out of it? Cause I was just looking online and that was, that's what I saw is like, don't, don't think about hitting a safe shot to stay where you are. Realize how well you're playing and just keep riding that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a lot easier said than done. Uh, for sure. Like I told, we've talked about it on here, but that one round I had this summer was like stupid. I think I was like six under through the first nine and I was playing like, a like we started on number five, I think. So it was kind of a weird setup through the round. And then all of a sudden we got to number 13 or 14, I think it was. And I said to dad, like, holy shit, like I'm six under right now. Like, oh, and then I actually like, and then you start doing stuff like you just, it's weird, man. You get like adrenaline and then like you start, like it's a men's night. Like I'm going to work the next day. It does nothing changes. Nothing happens Still, if I, if I make five more birdies, but it's just, it's so hard to tell yourself that it's just to keep golfing normally. And I, I don't know if there is a way to stay hot. I, I would say the best rounds I've ever had are rounds where there wasn't anything. There wasn't a birdie streak of five holes. There wasn't uh, a crazy, a crazy nine holes. It was just kind of, I made six or seven birdies and no bogeys, you know? So you don't really notice that how hot you are. It's really tough when you, when you make a few birdies in a row to not get worked up, I think like, yeah. like the, yeah, the best rounds I've, I've ever had have just been kind of, I didn't even really realize how good the round was going because like there's separation between the birdies. I don't know. It, it's hard when you get streaky like that. Like you, you start, like you said, not doing things you normally do because you think you want to play it safe to keep the round alive. Preserve it. You're golfing so good that you should just be going for it. And the craziest thing that I've ever witnessed was on number 16 at Dauphin and Horn was eight under and the course record still 61 in Dauphin. And he was eight under through 15 and we were downwind and he pulled out his driver and went for the green on 16 and he, he hit it in the water, dropped it behind the water, knocked it to two feet and made par and then birdied 17 and part 18. So he shot 61 anyways. But like that's kind of the the mentality that you have to have in order to have those rounds. And that's why those guys on the tour do that. They don't get to six under and then say, oh shit, it's a reachable par five on every other day for me. But I just want to try to make a birdie and not an eagle. So I'm just gonna lay up and then you hit your layup shot in the bush and then you're completely toast. Like it's just uh exactly. it's it's a hard mentality to have and it's uh I don't know. It would take a lot of mental need work, a, I think. You need a few of them to go right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like say you get five birdies in a row, and then you go up there and you smash that six T shot, and it's you stay with it, right? You know, you, mm -hmm. you, what you were thinking does the right thing, as opposed to just chunking it and throwing it in the bush. And you know, you need a couple of them to keep going, so that your head you get out of your own head. That day, actually, I, I hit it like a perfect tee shot on 15, like over the water. And then I just, 15 where Gilbert, like at Gilbert. So I was still, I had a good round going that I was going to go for the green too. But as soon as I hit that tee shot, it was kind of like a huge exhale. And I just thought that it was all like the rest of the round was just done. Cause I hit that tee shot and then <laughs> I hit that shot into the bush. And I think I made a double there and I was just kind of, 
back down to reality. But yeah, it's definitely a cool feeling though. Like it's cool how golf could do that to like make you feel those nerves and the adrenaline and like I like that. I don't know. I guess that's why you play. Yeah. And you said it was easier said than done, but I guess kind of what I'm saying is for me personally, when I get in a situation like that, all I will put a ceiling on myself and say, there's no way that you can shoot this because you've never done it before. So why would you today, you know? Um, and then, and then you find ways not to do it, but instead, like I'm saying like pump yourself up. I know say, it's hard to like, do. It is. I know. But like, tell yourself, like you're playing good today. You can hit the shot. And it's, it's easy to sink into that. The thought of like waiting for you to yourself to screw up or to preserve it. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, man, I'm playing good today. I think that I, you know, and if you don't, at least you went for it. Right. Like, yeah. don't hit stupid shots, but just have, have some belief in yourself and, mm-hmm. and see what happens. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully one day me and Dal can attain something along those lines. Hey, Dally. I think so. There's me golf course calling my name. I might go on a hot Berkey streak. Actually want to pitch a beer in Winkler, Manitoba this year playing mini golf. Wow. Winkler Lake. I thought you couldn't drink in Winkler. No, they changed that. She's, they got a pretty sweet little setup. It's a, it's like a bowling alley, golf simulator, uh, mini golf and arcade and a restaurant, like a lounge. Holy shit. Yeah. That actually sounds sweet. like a dream to me. That's like all my favorite things in one building. Yeah. It was like a 10 steps from that new hotel they put up. They got VLTs? No. Uh, Kitty arcades. Ah. Fuck the best, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would just move there. Yeah. You guys got accommodations here? <laughs> sure. You can find Del, some flappers. Dell, I think if there was a mini golf professional tour you would probably be on that correct i I agree with that i think was there not mini golf on tv back in the day yes i remember seeing a clip recently where they were actually had uh because it was the accountant right the accountant yeah did you see that clip (laughs) yeah i was just gonna say the accountant that's a funny that's a funny video man holy with a full strut man that's a really good idea like we should we should go on a, a manitoba mini golf tour we're having right. a tough enough time getting on a Manitoba golf tour. I know, I know. Yeah, this would be hit, a... like mini golf. You could hit like <laughs> horses in a day. That'd be actually absolutely insane. And you Imagine don't need like bus. a. <laughs> you don't need a like a professional photographer either. Like you're not filming drives. You could get everything perfect angle. <laughs> you get like twelve guys. Do you hop off the bus? Everybody's got their own putter. That would actually be unbelievable. It looks, let's look into this. Oh, hey, let's find, we got to stop in Holland on the number two. They got a mini golf course there. Use the honor system. Yes. yes. I'm going to fire up Bob's bunker again, too. Whoa. <laughs> Reggie's bunker. Whoa. Bob was doing some things that were not golf related up there. <laughs> Archie bunker. Remember Archie bunker? Yeah, grandpa's favorite. Um, so family, we are. From what I understand, Jordan Dell don't have their favorite social media post of the week, so I'm going to continue from my housekeeping and say that Tiger's video was my favorite, and it was the social media post of the week. 
And it doesn't matter if there's any other ones because that's number one. Yeah. And that's probably for the best because it deserves all the attention in the golf world. We wouldn't have been able to compare to that. So I will admit I've been slacking off heavily here. So I'll put that together. Hopefully. I don't know. I said that last time too, but I'll try to to get our last couple weeks together in one thread and show the social media posts because there's some pretty good stuff on there. Hey, welcome home, Dan. Good Good timing. Uh, Just wrapping up. Did you guys? They're podcasting. Oh. Um, Did you see that Minnewasta's golf? Yes. Oh yeah. Burned down. So it's not really the highlight of the week, but that's uh, pretty rough. Yeah, I've heard it's unbelievable, or it was unbelievable too. Uh, I've never been to that course. It's too bad I never got to see that clubhouse. But yeah, it's pretty. Pretty shitty day for those guys there. The clubhouse was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you meant the fire, but yeah, I I mean, it, I saw a picture of it and it was coming out the window. So you know that that's a one heck of a fire. It must have been some grease or something. I don't know what could could even do that. But um, I mean, if they pay a lot for it, that means they're probably going to get rewarded with a pretty nice one through insurance. Hey, Reggie, but it'll still be shitty in the meantime. Yep. You got all winter to build her up. True. Yeah, and they got enough they got enough construction companies down in that area that it's probably already under construction. Okay. Well, we don't have our drums here like usual. So I guess that's maybe why we're putting around here waiting for somebody to wrap this up. So I'll wrap it up. Uh Dally, thanks for coming on again. Um, I'm guessing the next episode this happens, it'll be Dal, Reggie, and drums instead of me. That's the rotation here we got going. So, uh, gonna once again, solo one. you're going to do a solo one. Yeah, just me. <laughs> nice, nice. On what? TBD, baby. Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. Stay, Stay tuned. Tuned. <laughs> okay. Stay tuned. Um, for now, I would say thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, we really appreciate it. Uh, we really enjoy doing this. So we are now putting these videos on the YouTube. If you prefer to do a visual of it and see our, our uh, pretty faces on here, do that. Give us a like, subscribe to the channel, set up an account. It's super easy and it makes a big difference to us. So again, we really appreciate on the website, it. Buy a hat. And we're doing a big sale tomorrow. So you probably won't hear this in time, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. Anyways, love you fellas. Talk to you boys. Bye-bye. Oh, lights off. How do I stop recording here? Probably the opposite.